Welcome to the Gears and Grind podcast, where the best and brightest entrepreneurs, automotive personalities, and innovators share their stories about how they built their empires and impart lessons for you to do the same with your host, Joshua Bennett. On this episode of the podcast, I have the pleasure and the honor of having Michael Sutton. Michael Sutton is the co-founder of Canadian Barbecue Boys. He actually appeared on Dragon's Den and actually got his funding for it. So Michael, do you mind just giving us a little bit of a backstory, a little bit of an elevator pitch about who you are for those who don't know? Yeah, for sure. So right now I'm actually a fifth year University of Guelph commerce student. Uh, my co-founder and I started the business uh, when we were in our first year university in the summertime. Um, so basically what we did is in the first year, we started pretty much just door knocking and we've kind of grown it each summer. Um, and with the experience on Dragon's Den, we were really able to um, expand the brand quite a bit in Ontario. Um, and we're planning on doing a Canada wide expansion now. Um, looking at raising even more funding um, and really trying to take uh, our service and our brand all the way across Canada. Okay, that's cool. That's cool. Um, I can I can most definitely respect. Uh, um, I'm going to school and 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 I'm working something on the side and then trying to build it up. Right. Yeah. I can most definitely respect that. Um, so so why did you start um, the Canadian Barbecue Boys? So did you say when or why or why why yeah so actually it was pretty interesting so. Uh, we were kind of just uh, talking one day, trying to figure out a good um, sort of summer business that we could get started. Um, and we didn't want to do something that was too traditional, like landscaping. And we wanted to do something a little bit different. Um, so my parents actually got the service done. Um, and when they were looking, it was really difficult to find someone to come by. Um, they ended up finding someone who was, you know, an hour drive away. He came by, didn't do a great job, um, charged a lot of money. Um, and then we kind of just started looking into it a little bit more and realized there was really not many companies doing this service. Um, so we just, from there, just started, we just figured we'd, we'd start it up and we went on our first day door to door and we got four sales our first day. Um, and we kind of just took that momentum and the rest of the summer we would just knock on doors at night, do the services during the day and, um, just kind of figure everything as, as it, uh, as it came each day. So, um, that's pretty much how we started just in Oakville where we're from. And then, the year after that, we, uh, we, you know, we expand throughout the GTA, we hired crews. Um, and then from there, we just, we've just grown each year. Um, so yeah. Okay, cool. Um, you are like, like I'm actually, I'm actually in Scarborough right now. So, I mean, you're not too far from me. So, um, yeah. um, interview wise, so it's not so bad. Um, anyway. Um, yeah. So how did you, so, so, uh, so, 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 so during the episode on dragons, Den. I mean, you said that you guys clocked in at 200 sales for, for, for one summer, you said? From the right. Um, can, can, you just, I mean, can you just walk us through your process? Like, like, how do you approach a potential client and kind of what you do and how, and how you do that? Yeah, for sure. So it's actually changed quite a bit year over year. So our first year, it was literally, you know, on the doorstep, we were taking sales, scheduling them into our calendar. Um, and at the time, me and my business partner, Matt, were pretty much the only ones doing the job. So it was very easy for us. We put them right into our schedule and then we'd usually be going by um, sometime that current week. Um, and then once we started scaling up, so for example, now um, we rely a lot more on digital marketing. So we use Google AdWords, Facebook ads, um, social media, um, things like that. We go to events um, rather than you know the grassroots approach of door to door. We still in- encourage our 
um, our service providers to knock on doors when they're in nice areas. But other than that, um, we've really moved our marketing to uh, more of a digital platforms. Um, and then we actually have an office in Guelph. So customers would call in. Uh, we have staff who would be booking them and scheduling them into our system. Um, and then pretty much just uh, signing the right service provider in the right area. Um, so last summer we had, you know, uh, people, uh, we had service providers all the way across Ontario. Um, so it was really just figuring out where the customer was, scheduling it into the right calendar, um, taking payment up front. Um, and then uh, the service provider would be dispatched on the day of the service to go out. Um, and then obviously we'd call the customers afterwards, make sure they were satisfied and then easily charge their cards. Oh, oh okay. 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 Yeah. That's, that's, that's actually very, very simple. Um, um, come, come, kind of coming off that question. Um, how, how did you, how, how did you guys actually, actually set up your crews? Like, I mean, are, 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 do, do the people actually sign up and then they become a crew lead and then they have to find other people or do you guys match them up with different people in their area? Uh, how does, how, how does, how does that work? So it's actually really interesting. So we've actually tested out just about every model. Um, in our second summer, we tested out franchising, for example. Um, we found a lot of issues with that, um, in terms of quality control, um, and then we tested out um, the contractor model. So as we pitched on Dragon's Den, we were going through that model where we were hiring contractors um, as sort of territory managers who would then go and hire staff underneath them. Um, and with that model, we actually experienced a lot of issues just with quality control, you know, because we couldn't really control who they were hiring. We couldn't control, um, you know, like a lot of the branding aspect of what we wanted to do. Um, so really what we're doing now is we've gone towards an employee model. So everyone we hire is an employee of Canadian Barbecue Boys. Um, and we found that that's just been really effective for us to remain, uh, you know, in control of the quality uh, of portraying our brand the way we want it to. Um, and then just overall, just in, ensuring uh, employee satisfaction. Um, so what we do, yeah, pretty much is, for example, last summer, we hired around 25 uh, service providers. Um, they all started out as just crew members. Um, and then we did promote throughout the summer, um, a number of them to territory manager positions and regional manager positions where they were then in, uh, they were then responsible for other crew members, um, ensuring the quality, you know, they worked more closely with the customers. They would go back to jobs if there was any issues, things like that. Um, so they just had a little bit more responsibility. Um, so now this summer we'll be bringing back a lot of those managers and, and they will help a lot with the, uh, recruitment and things like that, but they're all just employees of, of the business. Okay. So, so, uh, so, so, so it sounds like you're, it sounds like you're a seasonal business more or less. Yeah, exactly. So all of our staff are actually either university or college students. Um, so it works really well with the off season from university. We pretty much, um, you know, obviously I'm, I'm in the background working throughout the year, but. Uh, we let our guys, you know, focus on school, um, and then we kind of hit the ground running in April, uh, end of April, when exams finish up for our guys. Okay. Um, why did you? Or, sorry, better question. Um, how did you find a co-founder? Um, so Matt and I actually went to high school together, um, mm -hmm. and yeah, like pretty much, it was just we were both interested in starting a business. We didn't really know what we wanted to start, but we knew we wanted to start something. Um, kind of take a little bit of a different route. Um, I remember we were talking in, you know, grade 12 accounting class, just, um, you know, we didn't want to go back to our summer jobs that we did the previous year. Um, we wanted to do a little, something a little bit different, something entrepreneurial. Um, and we just decided like, why not? I mean, right now is a good time. So we might as well just get something started and see where we can take it. 
Okay, cool. Um, what are some tips that other entrepreneurs or other potential entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs can, can use to help find their co-founder, to find that right person to help drive them? Yeah, I think a lot of people are really inclined to like start a business with someone like they're really close with or is like a best friend. Um, it doesn't necessarily need to be that. Uh, it could be anyone in your network who is interested in starting a business, who brings certain skills uh, to the table that you might not necessarily have. Um, so I think the best thing in, in finding someone is, you know, for example, go on LinkedIn. I think we connected on LinkedIn and this is how this happened, right? But just connect with people online, connect with people, go to events, you know, just meet people who are interested in similar things that you're doing and then find someone who really complements your skill set. Find someone who's who's as different from you as possible. Um, and then they can bring a whole new set of skills to the table. Um, and then together you guys can really be efficient and productive um, and kind of find yourselves in two different roles when you're finding uh, like starting the business. Um, I think that's the best advice I could give. Okay. Um, well, well, guys, you, 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 I mean, you, you guys are hearing it from one of the best. Um, yeah. Uh, why did you guys decide to go on Dragon's Den? Um, I, I know that Dragon's Den is, is, is a little bit uh, different from the like, conventional funding, like, like, a, like crowdfunding or, or, um, or like traditional investment, like, like, um, like they're actually going to a bank. Um, but, but why did you guys decide to go? Uh, this this in, in, in this particular route, um, I, I I know that I, I know that for a lot of companies, what they decide to do is they go for exposure, even even when they know that even when they know they're not necessarily going to, going to be getting a deal from the dragons, they 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 and they still go anyway, just 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 for that little little bit more of an exposure. So so why did you guys decide to just uh, go on the show or or at least try to get on the show anyway? Yeah, for sure. So what actually happened is we had no intention of going on the show. Um, we actually got a call um, from one of the, the producers. Um, she basically called and said that, you know, uh, one of the producers came across our website. They thought we had a really interesting business model and they wanted us to come out for an audition. Um, so, I mean, after that call, like we started to consider it a little bit. We didn't think we were ready. We were just going into our um, our third summer in business and uh, we didn't think that we'd be able to get a high enough valuation to really justify getting funding. And honestly, we didn't really need the money at the time because we were still really grassroots, just kind of scaling, um, you know, within our market. Um, so we kind of decided not to go on after we got that first call. Um, but then after we missed uh, the um, the Guelph audition, um, they actually followed up with us um, and kind of, you know, they were, they were like kind of sad that we didn't go out. Um, so at that point we really realized that, you know, maybe we would have a good shot of getting on the show and it seems like they're very interested and, um, you know, it's kind of like, why not? Like, we'll, we'll just go for it. Um, so we actually ended up going to that last audition in Niagara Falls. Um, and, uh, we were on the wait list actually, we didn't actually get on the show right away. So we were actually on the waiting list. Um, and they called us two days before the air date or sorry, not the air date, the filming date. Yeah. Um, so it was like, actually it was our first day of operations too. So we had training with their guys and everything like that. And, uh, they wanted us to come out, you know, two days from now, they called us on Sunday, Sunday afternoon. And they want us to come out on Tuesday. Um, so we basically had to reschedule our whole, uh, week there. And we ended up bringing out one of the customers we had scheduled for the day's barbecues. Um, so it was very last minute. Like we literally, uh, cleaned the barbecue in the morning, brought it on the show, rented, a a U-Haul, 
Um, you know, it was like super last minute. We came up with our pitch in the car ride there. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, like same thing. Like we came up with our pitch, our valuation, like literally when we were there. Um, right. So it was like super last minute. It was kind of just one of those opportunities that we couldn't pass up on because yeah. it is such good exposure and it is such, um, a good, um, you know, thing to have for your business. Like just having that stamp that we were on Dragon's Den, it significantly helps our brand stand out from any of the competitors that we do have. Right. Yeah. So, um, it's definitely done a lot and, you know, we're obviously really happy with how the episode turned out. We ended up getting you know, like a deal from for exactly what we wanted with Jim, who was the partner that we wanted. Um, you know, it was like eight or nine minutes that they put us in there for. Um, so, I mean, it really worked out as, as good as it possibly could have got. So we were really happy with that. Your pitch sounded really, really polished. I was, when, 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 when you said you guys thought of it in the car, I was, I, was, I was like, you guys must have spent weeks rehearsing that. I'm like, and the car on the way down, I'm like, wow, you guys are good. <laughs> Funny because yeah. So we actually, so we came up with it in the car ride there, but when we got there, we like, you have to do the pitch to the producers. Yeah. Um, and literally right when we do our pitch, they're like, yeah, you can't say any of that. We're uh, like, what? Like, uh, they, like, so then, so then like there was like an hour before we went on, they made us redo our entire pitch because you know, we weren't doing it the way they wanted us to do it. Right. So like they do like kind of fine tune and tweak things certain ways that they want it. Um, so yeah, we literally had to come up with it. Like like we, we practice it for like probably like an hour while we were there and then we just went on and, and did it. (laughs) It's it's a pretty interesting experience. Yeah. I, I can only imagine. (laughs) I can only imagine. Um, what did it feel like getting your funding from Jim? Um, so this is actually really interesting as well. So we actually didn't end up going through with the deal. Um, okay. So a lot of people, you know, were, were wondering about that, right? But so yeah. pretty much what happens is we go through, we went through a very thorough due diligence process afterwards. Yeah. Uh, and it was really unfortunate for us because, you know, they do demand quite a bit of things and we were just starting. Um, yeah. And our business, we make like, you know, 90% of our revenue within the first three months of the summer. So like, end of April to the end of June is like, we're so busy. And that's the same time that they wanted all these things from us. They wanted an updated business plan, a five-year strategic plan, you know, all of our financials from the last three years. Like they were just, they needed so much. So we kind of just kept kicking the can um, throughout the summer, pushing them. uh, And they they were very good with giving us extensions on things. Right. Um, But it kind of got to the point where we didn't really need the funding and pretty much the reason why we were inclined to go with Jim and we wanted the funding from him was that we would have, um, you know, someone we can call up who's been through a lot of the things we wanted to go through in terms of expanding the business. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously pretty much, you know, what they told us is you, you don't get any contact with Jim whatsoever. You get like, you know, one lunch with them a year sort of thing. And you're just kind of working with his team. So he has a team who handle all of his, uh, investments and things like that. Right. He's got a, a team of people who manage all that. So he's not really too involved and, uh, we kind of didn't like that just because if we we wanted more of like an angel investor who would be like heavily involved in the day to day and, and helping us kind of move the business in the right direction. Yeah. Um, so for that reason, we, we kind of, yeah, we kind of, uh, almost like blew up the deal, right. It just didn't come through with our due diligence stuff. Um, and pretty much what happened afterwards. So when the, uh, when the episode aired, we actually got seven or eight investors actually reach out, um, okay. just for, cause they saw the pitch and they were interested. Um, and a lot of people, I think, realize that deals don't go through. So they'll just, you know, call up pitches that they like and, and try and sit down with the, the owners. 
Um, so we ended up actually leveraging what we had, what we had on dragons then to get a much better deal. Uh, we were able to get an angel investor who was heavily involved in our business this summer and helped us be successful, um, which is exactly what we were looking for. And we also didn't have to give up any equity. Uh, nice. so it, <laughs> he gave us all the funding we needed just for a very short term, very small percentage loan. Um, and basically just helped us grow the business this summer. Um, so it, it worked out really well for us and we couldn't be happier with how things, uh, have progressed. That sounds amazing. Um, I actually read, I actually read, um, Robert Herbajek's book called Driven. Right. And he was saying that, 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 that a lot of the, a lot of the deals, um, um, don't, don't, don't necessarily, they, 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 they they may go through on camera, but a lot of the deals do not go through um, when they when they're ready to go sign that check because of 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 like you said doing doing that due diligence process and some companies don't don't even make it through that or if they do it's because the the owner decides hey I want I want to move in a different direction or or hey I I want I want more access to my investors I don't want to be waiting a year. And then have an hour lunch or two hour lunch with the person, and then I don't see them again for another year. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, it's, it is interesting going on the show because it's kind of like the dragons are there, like obviously to make investments, but they're also there to really like pump up their personal brands. So they they want to look good on TV, just as the same as the business does. So just because yeah. they shake hands after hearing your pitch for fifteen minutes, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're you know really going to push to close the deal unless everything that they want sort of lines up. Right. So like after the show, like we literally just sign a very simple um, term sheet, um, but everything's up for grabs after that. Right. So um, I don't yeah, I don't think people realize how how like not final it is when you do shake hands and a lot can change. And I'd say ma- the majority of the deals that you see on the show don't actually end up going through. All right. So taking from what you learned on Dragon's Den and 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 what you, and what you've taken and 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 even learn from your own business model how would you or, or or what advice would you give to other entrepreneurs to learn to to basically help them along with their own pitches um the biggest thing that you know we've had a lot of success with is actually not writing scripts um so like for example like whenever we did a pitch to investors or um you know anytime we were pitching the business we would kind of write more of a general outline than like a word for word script. Um, you know, cause if you know your business inside and out, there isn't really that much of a need to have a written script and it's actually going to make you more nervous because you're going to be thinking of, Oh, um, you know, like, like not remembering the exact lines and it's going to choke you up. So if you just have a general outline and you know your shit, then, you know, like that's, that's the, the best advice I could give. Just, just go in, not blind, be prepared, obviously. Um, but just don't go in with like thinking you're going to memorize something and say it word for word. Um, because it's, first of all, it's not going to sound authentic and you're just, you're not going to do as good of a job if you were just kind of speaking from the heart and, and saying the things that you already know. Right. So that's, that's the best advice I can give. That, you know, what I, I actually, I actually wasn't, I wasn't expecting you to, to, to even say, um, no script. I really wasn't expecting you to say that, but, but when you did, it makes sense because you want authentic, you, you want authenticity um, um, with your with 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 whatever you're doing, right? And and, 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 you, and you don't necessarily want to sound scripted. Um, I actually I, I actually I actually did a school project um, 
in my final in my final year of college. And what happened was we we like, we had a script for it, it, it was it, it was it was very much a mock business plan. And the teacher's like, okay, stop talking about the script. I want to hear what you know about about your idea. And we and we got the deal done, mind you. But that wrenched cut is 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 just like what do you mean you want to know what we know instead of instead of looking towards that script right right so 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 so, so, so for me what i learned from that experience was that like you know having a script is fine but also be willing to actually deviate from the script when the time calls for it exactly yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And I've brought that into all of the things I do at school too. Like I never walk in with the script. I always have a general outline and just kind of go up and, and say what, you know, comes to me almost. It might not work for everyone else, but that's what I've been, that's what I've done. Um, it's worked for me. So Same with me. I, I, I Honestly, every single, every single group project, I never, I never go up with a script. I just, I just know my stuff, right? I, okay. I do the, I do the project, I do the research, I, I lead the team properly, right? And I make sure my team knows their stuff too. And I'm like, guys, you, you guys wrote your stuff, you guys know what, how to deal with it, right? So I'm not, going, I, I'm, I'm not necessarily going to overstep unless you're, unless you're fumbling and, and I want to add something to, to kind of help you recover. But other than that, I, I leave you to your own devices, right? You, you, you wrote your stuff, right? My job as 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 a leader is to be an overview. I'm, I'm not going to be micromanaging you, and 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 um, and, and you need to, and you need to, like you need to say this at this time, and and don't say this or say this or say this. No, no, you wrote your stuff and you, and you know what you got to do. So just get it done, right? Yeah, for sure. I think it's a lot even different when you have your own business too, because I mean that's something. You- well, you know, you might not be certainly passionate about a school project that you're doing, but you're, you certainly better be passionate about your business. Um, and I mean, if you're passionate about your business, there's no reason why you can't, you know, talk for hours about it without a script. Right. So, yeah. Uh, what are some basic barbecue maintenance tips for the summer season? I, I, I know that we're heading into winter. So I know it kind of sounds like an, an offhanded question, but General maintenance on, on just barbecues and and, 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 and kind of how can people keep their barbecues long enough and they're able to actually maintain it even when they don't necessarily call you for uh, advice or or or, or, or an actual cleaning job and that type of thing. So yeah, for sure. So we actually we did a pretty cool video series with Napoleon. Um, so Napoleon's a big uh, grill manufacturer in Ontario. Um, they sell obviously throughout the world. They're very big. Uh, but we did a we did a video series, pretty much talking about all the tips and tricks. And um, so, if you know, if your viewers want to go check those out, they can. Uh, but yeah, I'll give you just sort of a summary of things that we suggest. Um, so, obviously, covering your barbecue before and after use is really great, especially if you're you know grilling in the winter. Um, you don't want to expose it to um, you know snow and things like that. Uh, it could lead to rusting and just moisture in the barbecue, which actually in some cases can lead to molding. Um, but uh, pretty much before and after use, we just recommend cleaning your grills. Um, so there's a number of different products available now. Um, we recommend using uh, a bristleless brush, um, and you can pick those up at Canadian Tire. We also have them available on our store. We also recommend a product called the Q Swiper. 
Um, and pretty much what they've developed is it's, it's kind of like a Swiffer for your barbecue. So you just change out, um, these moist pads that you put on the brush. Um, and it's completely bristless, so it's safe and, and it's very effective. Um, so pretty much what we recommend is getting a, a good cleaning. So your grill is already in good condition and then you keep it clean by using products like the Q swiper or other bristleless options. Um, so that's what we recommend. Um, and then just whether you hire us or whether you do it yourself, just taking everything apart um, and giving it a good cleaning, um, you'd be surprised at what we've found in barbecues because people don't clean them, um, especially if they're located in maybe a little bit remote areas. Um, we found, you know, mice, rats. Um, we found a possum at one point, raccoons. <laughs> we found it. Uh, like it was actually, it was so funny. Last summer, we I had one of the service providers call me and say, Hey, like I'm dealing with three like large raccoons right now in the barbecue and I can't clean it. You know, <laughs> we're like, okay, well you gotta leave. Like it's not safe. Right. So, um, it, it happens more often than not. Um, and whether if we don't find something living in there, we're finding things that they leave behind. And, um, you know, just from a sanitary perspective, you know, it's just, it's not safe. It's not healthy. So, uh, we do recommend doing the full cleaning and making sure you're keeping it clean. So, um, in, like further than just, you know, uh, wiping down the grills before and after taking out the bottom tray, emptying out any like leftover grease that's in there. Um, especially if you're not going to use the barbecue for another week or two weeks, or say you're going on vacation for a couple weeks and it's just not going to be used. Make sure you're emptying out that bottom tray and covering it up because if you're not like, there's a good chance that rodents are going to get in there. Um, and it's really the last thing you want because you know, that's a food surface. You're going to be cooking on it. You don't want you know, little critters getting in there and leaving droppings behind. Cause it's just, it's just not good. It's not safe. It's not sanitary. So, um, just, just before we wrap up, I, I, I kind of want to know, uh, two things. What are, what is the worst thing that you have found in a barbecue? And would you guys be willing to actually go commercial one day? Possibly? Yeah, for sure. So the worst thing, um, there's been so many different things, but the, probably the worst one was me and Matt were actually up in, um, where was it? Uh, just North of London. It was uh, grand bend. We we're up in grand bend. Um, so it was like kind of like cottage country near the lake. Um, and we opened up this barbecue and there's a, a family of mice. Um, and there was like six or seven mice, um, you know, in the barbecue. And it took us so long. We actually posted a video on our Instagram uh, on our story, but it took us so long to get the mice out of the barbecue before we could start cleaning it. And it was just an absolute nightmare. Like it literally took us almost an hour to get them out. Cause obviously we're not like, we're not going to hurt the mice. Right. So we were just trying to like, we were trying to like lure them out of the barbecue for so long. And it was an absolute nightmare, you know, and obviously we had to destroy their little house that they made in there and stuff like that. But, uh, that was probably the worst. I mean, that's the worst I've seen personally. Um, some of our guys have seen worse things. Like one of them found a live possum in a barbecue. Another one raccoons I was telling you about. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean all different kinds of stories, you know, and, and the live mice are probably a little bit better than the dead ones even. And we found dead mice and barbecues more often than not. So, um, so yeah, there's, there's definitely some horror stories there. Uh, in terms of commercial, we actually do some commercial. So we work with property managers, um, a couple in Toronto and Hamilton, um, who manage, you know, commercial properties. Um, a lot of the, the times they'll have like a big grill for, for, you know, commu- for the community for parties and stuff like that. We'll do that. Uh, we've also done like golf courses and, 
um, different commercial, like we do schools and churches and stuff like that too. Like just different commercial properties that we do work with. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely not the focus. Um, and I think in the future we are going to focus a little bit more on it. It's just, we've, we've really focused on the residential business and refining that business model. Uh, but I'm definitely, we're definitely going to look at commercial as more of a, um, an increasing revenue stream for us in the future. Okay. That sounds, that, that sounds good. Oh, and, and, and the live mice and possums, uh, no, no. <laughs> um, it's, 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 it's crazy. Cause like someone, like if one of my service providers call me and say like, there's a possum in the barbecue, what do I do? It's like, well, I, I don't really know what to tell you. Like you can't clean a barbecue when there's a, a live rodent in it. Right. So usually we end up having to pull them back, call the customer and, and usually have to reschedule for another day or something like that. But, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting when you get those calls. Okay. Um, last, actually second, last question. Um, before we finish up, um, how can people, um, you know, if, if, if they decide for the summer, Hey, Hey, I, 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 I want to work somewhere different. I want to work with uh, Canadian barbecue boys. Uh, how can they uh, get on a crew or, or join your company? Yeah. So we're actually going to be starting our recruiting um, in the next couple of weeks. Um, and we're probably going to be hiring, you know, almost 30 service providers across Ontario. Um, so we're going to have a pretty big team. So there are going to be a lot of positions open. Um, so they can send me the resume and a quick email uh, to Mike at Canadian Um, And they can follow us on Instagram and even DM us there. I'm going to be posting quite a bit of stuff um, in the next couple of weeks, just starting to promote um, that we will be hiring and what the positions are going to look like. Um, but if they want to learn a little bit more information, they can just reach out to us personally, either on social or the email I just gave. Um, and we can give them a little bit more information and then set up a, a call or interview to sort of get the process going. Um, but I mean, we're also, gonna, I'm going to try and be releasing a couple of videos of guys we had on the crew last year. Um, a lot of the guys we had just had an absolutely great experience. Um, so we're, we're hoping that we can really bring more students in and give them that sort of experience. Like for example, um, the guys, you know, that came in as crew members worked their way up to territory managers and some even to regional managers, you know, that all comes with a pay increase too. So, um, our guys were making really good money. Um, and you know, they were really enjoying it because, you know, we give them time off in August when things slow down. Um, you know, they're able to sort of, um, work on their own, uh, with a, a partner, um, and kind of have a good time working outdoors, um, and, you know, it's just a really cool, it's a cool summer job. Um, you know, and we also give you some experience if you want to do some door to door sales, um, local marketing, we had some of our territory managers actually create their own social media channels for the business. So like Eric underscore Canadian barbecue boys.com. So just, you know, if you're looking for different experiences, we're always happy to work with you, um, on a really personal level, figure out what you're looking for and sort of make it a good experience for you. So. Yeah, I'd say reach out and I'd be happy all to get back to you and I'd be happy to set up an interview and, and bring you on the team if, if you have the right skill set and the right attitude. So, yeah. Okay. Um, do you mind emailing me the, the, the links to, to all that stuff? And then I'll just put it into the description for the, for, for the podcast episode if people want to, you know. Yeah, to, for sure. For sure. Digging and, and move forward. Okay. Sounds good. Uh, Mike, where can they find you? Um, so yeah, online, www.canadianbbqboys.com. Um, you know, we're, we're, yeah, we'll link all the social media channels for the business. Um, if you want to connect with me personally, uh, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. 
Um, so Mike Sutton on LinkedIn or Mike Sutton seven on Instagram. Um, always happy to hear have people reach out. If you have any questions about what we, what we're doing, or if you want to be a part of it, always reach out. I'm very responsive online. So, um, yeah, just anyone interested, please reach out. I'm always happy to have a discussion and a conversation about entrepreneurship or, um, you know, if you have anything going on, you want my advice. If you're starting a service business, for example, always happy to help. Okay. Uh, thank you so much, Mike, for taking time out of your busy schedule to come onto the podcast. I really appreciated it. It was an honor and a pleasure. No problem at all. I appreciate you having me. All right. Take care. All right. Have a good one. Bye. That about wraps up today's episode. Did you like what you heard today? Well, there are many more episodes wherever you get your podcast. Do you feel like reaching out? Connect with Joshua on Instagram at JJE underscore Bennett for more information about the podcast. If the episode spoke to you, please leave a review, voice message, or comment on either any podcast platforms, Anchor or Instagram. Keep moving forward.